0: Hello, my name is Samuel George London, and welcome to Comics for the Apocalypse. On today's episode, I speak to comic book creator Russell Mark Olsen about what comics he would take into an alien invasion apocalypse. But before we get into it, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, Comic Scene, where you can read comic news and become part of a community of fellow comic lovers. To find out more, be sure to visit ComicScene.org. Now, without further ado, on with the show. Hello, Russell Mark Olson. How's it going?
1: Yeah, very good. Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, absolute pleasure, Russell. And I've been, I've been waiting for this one, and I'm so glad that we managed to get you on the show before uh, for before the 200th episode pause.
1: Um, so absolutely fantastic to have you on the show. Man, it is an absolute honour uh yeah i'm i'm glad i was able to get in before the 200 pause i feel like some kind of like charlatan like if i'd, I'd miss the boat if i was on afterwards <laughs> totally. i don't get the t-shirt i don't get the t-shirt yeah exactly exactly i should probably do t-shirts at some
0: point <laughs> uh, that would be cool excellent Um uh, now um i've known you for years now it's crazy um mm. when we think about it um but for anybody that hasn't come across you uh just yet what do you do in the world of comics
1: Oh, I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a rudderless boat, really. I, I just sort of, I'm like the the gerbil of comics. Something interesting comes along, and I pop up and I go over there. And um, I've always got a million projects on the go. I mean, what I'm mainly, mostly known for, um, I started out with a web comic back in 2016 called Gateway City, and then I did a collected edition of that in 2018. Um, and then I just kind of kept rolling that along, which is a, uh, a, a sort of pulp sci-fi noir mashup comic um, about a group of alien gangsters that kind of go on a dark tourism jolly through Prohibition, um, St. Louis, Missouri, during the 1920s, while well, Prohibition America. Um, but from that, that got me a bit of attention and a, a couple of awards, and I started working for some of the small indie presses, mainly in the UK, and then over time... Um, building up uh, a kind of a base of people I work with throughout like the States and uh, a little bit in Europe, mostly in the UK. Um, and since then, I've worked with people like 2000AD, um, um, a little bit of Aftershock Comics, which probably isn't worth mentioning since they're – I don't know what they're doing right now. Who knows? <laughs> <Very> uh, <nice. laughs> yeah. And I'm, at the moment, I'm just doing the last couple of um, bits and bobs for a book that is coming out with Mad Cave, next year which i don't think i'm allowed to talk about too much but i can at least say i'm doing it and it's really exciting i can't wait to get out in the world awesome man! i can't wait to see that that's gonna be uh,
0: that's gonna be fantastic um now going back to uh gateway city you're now on the fourth volume of that
1: yeah absolutely um it's it's funny how it's you know it kind of keeps trickling along it's one of those things i've got it set up I sort of know what I'm doing. It's it's basically the entire comic will take place over the course of just over a week, uh, so each volume is ostensibly a day, um, and it's I've I've kind of had to space it out like I have because I've been doing more work on the side. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm doing comics professionally, this is this is sort of I I do it like I do it to my Patreon um, like a Sunday funny page. So every week I do one page, and I I sort of share the process with my patrons on Patreon. Um, and then I produce it as a quarterly, so like a big newspaper tabloid sized newspaper thing that I put out, um, four times a year. And then I collect those all together into, you know, what's essentially like an annual really. And, um, I'll be doing that for the next three years, I think. That's awesome. Um, man. Yeah. It's, it, but it's because it's kind of, you know, the, there's no publishing commitments. I can take it as I want. So, mm-hmm. um, so i run it very much like a serial or like a soap opera so if there's something that occurs or a character like a side character somebody in the background that i kind of draw and i think ooh that's quite interesting i i've got the freedom to sort of add them to the plot yeah um you know i hopefully people enjoy that they might be <laughs> fed up and like oh let's just come on get on with the story but what i the, you know the reason it's called gateway city and not um you know like uh aliens from hell or anything like that it's because it's it's very much a story about the city it's about everybody who's under the you know under the atmosphere of 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 st louis which is the gateway city um and so it can operate a bit like coronation street you know or East it's, about, it's about the city so the city is a character and, it, and so anybody who is under that banner we've got the freedom to kind of explore what, uh, how they're dealing with you know this alien invasion, or or if they're an alien, how are they dealing with the fish out of waterness of it all? Um, and I love being able to play with that, and I think that's why people like the series, It's because it isn't just like bam, 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 bam action. It you know we learn about people's relationships and about how they're feeling and we get a lot of backstory and, and i you know it's just a it's a joy to do
0: that's awesome man that's awesome um and uh, this latest uh, volume is called american trust um mm. so if uh, if folks search in kickstarter gateway city american trust it'll pop up there but of course the the links in the show notes folks as well so make sure you go click on that and go check out the campaign page but where else can people yeah. find you online russell
1: oh yeah they can find me um uh I mean, i'm on i'm on twitter i will never say the other one for <laughs> i think i'm gonna i'm i may i may mouthball that by the end of the month i've said it before so I, I may not um but i'm over at russell double or sorry russell underscore m underscore Olson. yes uh i'm at instagram at russell mark Olson, all one word um i've got a website uk. and i'm on over on facebook um but if you just type in my name you know, I've, I've I i do not really go by Russell Mark Olson. I go by that professionally because uh, there was a Russell Olson who was like a senator from South Dakota. So I had to <laughs> add the mark in there so people search for me, they can find me. So if you type in Russell Mark Olson, I'm the only one out there. You'll find me.
0: <laughs> you bet. You bet. I
1: would, and I would I would just quickly say like um, I know it's quite intimidating sometimes to come into a series when you're already like four volumes in. Yeah. But um, uh, for the Kickstarter campaign, this there are. Catch up tears. Well, they're add ons. So you know, exactly. if you want to read any of the other books, they're available either digitally or physically. Yeah. Um, and uh, and or if you just want to have a conversation, I'm happy to like you know type out an email about what's going on in the story. You bet.
0: You bet. And of course, there's always your Patreon as well, which yep. you mentioned before as well.
1: Yeah. And I and I love producing the quarterly. I think there's something really lovely about having this big oversized newspaper. I mean, it's I you know cool, I'm man. a child of the '80s and I grew up with Sunday funnies, and there's something lovely about having. Big oversized comics.
0: Yeah. Oh no, it's awesome, man. Like when uh when the Milford Green uh oversized hardcover came through, mm. I was uh, I was giddy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure, man. Yeah. It, comics are meant sure. to be at that size. Yeah, you bet, man. You bet. Um oh, awesome dude. Awesome. Um now, um all of that aside, um I got some serious news for you. And you know, this could be straight out of Gateway City, uh, but the aliens have invaded.
1: Wait, can I curse? Am yes. I, can I curse. Them? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, go for it, man. Are you f- shitting me? <laughs> Are you Not at all. Are you... This is this is oh, this my. is as real as um the, the the War of the Worlds episodes with um Orson Welles. <laughs> when, wow. when when everybody, when everybody was kicking off. Um i mean. Come on, this is the
1: last thing we need. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. Let's add something else to the plate. Um, excellent. Edge a nuclear war. Let's just chuck in aliens. Why not yeah. just do it. do it? I mean, might as well, really, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. When you're down, in for a penny, in for a pound, mate. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So, uh, my first question for you is: What is your
1: action plan for survival? Okay, so um, I've thought this through. I've got. there's a few things I might do, but I'm going to assume, it depends on what what the aliens you like, but I'm going to assume, I'm going to gaslight here, and I'm going to assume (laughs) they're just as awful as we are. Um, And so I imagine, just as like what we've done to, you know, well what would become colonies, or what we would do if we were invading, is we would probably look for the dominant species and then try to subjugate the hell out of it. Um, So, I think what I would do is is attempt to to blend in to um, the lesser. Can we call them the lesser species? Sure, <laughs> like, sure. That's, I that's guess quite offensive. <laughs> Maybe I mean, you know, I don't know. I'm you know. Apologies to the lesser species if you're hearing this. I don't think you're. You know. I think you're all valuable. I think you're all. Wonderful. Yeah. Everybody has their place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, I'm I'm thinking probably if I got a I don't know like a cow costume or something mm-hmm. like that. And and tried to pretend that I was just some sort of um, Mm. um, grass-eating... Although with
0: the the, the whole cow kind of autopsy thing, like with the, the alien's history of, you know um surgically doing cows i'd maybe choose a different animal just saying yeah
1: Uh, well i did i thought about this and i thought okay well actually a cow probably isn't that good because there's nowhere to to hide really you need to be you need to like pretend to be an animal that like naturally burrows or goes into caves and then that got me thinking so to tie it into like gateway city st louis is built on a system of caves right wow um and it's like it became really useful during Prohibition because um, the brewers would like secretly brew stuff and then drop it down into the cave system and then deliver it to like these speakeasies that were some of them were literally there was like there was like a ballroom that was literally underground in these caves. Mm. Um, so I think I would probably then like I don't know like get a bear suit, you know something something which is a little bit intimidating that the aliens might not want to come anywhere near. Mm. But you know and also like bears bears can sometimes be bipedal. So you'd be, you know, you'd be forgiven if you were, uh, you know, standing on two legs, walking around. So, you know, maybe during the, during the, the day, stay in the caves and at night, if you had to get out, put on your bear suit and then, you know, walk around and grunt and growl. Um, and I, I'm, I'm, you know, my eyes are terrible. So I probably have to somehow I was thinking I'd have to blend in somehow. I'd have to keep find an excuse to wear glasses and because uh, that might be the giveaway so i was thinking then i'd have to like steal glasses and then like put them on things that wouldn't normally have glasses just so that yeah. the aliens just think oh well like some things just wear glasses like that's just the thing that this 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 planet has um <laughs> so I've, you know I'd, I'd do whatever i could to sort of camouflage be you know be hidden in plain sight
0: amazing amazing so, <laughs> i love it um so i'm thinking so you're you're walking around in this bear suit yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, Ambling around. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, no, you're just going going around the, the the forest and things, and then there's a there's another person that's kind of thought of something similar that's dressed up as a deer. Oh, right? right. So they've got like the deer angle, um, which can be quite dangerous because you can get you know shot or something like that yeah like for hunting but anyway that's what they've done um
1: well if you think if there are any of the survivors out there yeah they see a deer like that oh, right. yeah exactly the, the, the bear they're like well i'm not gonna waste my ammo yeah right you know i'm not killing for sport exactly
0: so let's go let's go with the somebody else's thought of the bear thing then because uh, yeah in retrospect that is not that's not the best idea um and uh yeah dressed up as a as a, as a as another bear um and you clock each other that you're dressed up as bears trying to hide (laughs) from the aliens and you get into a conversation about um life before being uh you know what what's the whole like you know dressing up Sex thing, it's fluffies or something, isn't it? Oh, uh, <laughs> so, so for that. So, like, the, the, you're not you're not into that, but it's like you know you got to make that clear. I think from the get go. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: You, you, you sort of you kind of say, "Listen, this is just because of the aliens." Yeah,
0: yeah. It's exactly. like this. Is, this isn't a free invitation,
1: all right? No, I'm. You know, I'm. I'm not sweating under this fur for fun. Yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah, this is early yeah, exactly. really for survival. <laughs>
0: exactly. Exactly. The
1: minute I the minute I I think of a a uh, 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 a less um you know furry way of getting about i'm on there you know yeah. like that that
0: exactly <laughs> like the the, the sooner that you can like go out as like a i don't know what's a oh gosh i don't know like a cheetah suit like you
1: could like, okay it's a bit more but know. this is the thing is you've you've got to think about like okay so you've, you're going to at least have to blend in like the the local flora and fauna exactly um i mean i suppose you could you could go as like a like a plant you could go as like a mm-hmm. you know a hedge or something like that yeah that would be fine yeah so yeah there's no like Support. i i haven't sort of chosen a um you know <laughs> so it's an apocalypse i can i can sort of live with abandon and do as i please <laughs> this is purely for survival if the other person you know live and let live i say if the other person that's what they've chosen they're not really hiding as a bear they're quite yeah, <laughs> they're quite right. happy with the alien overlords they've just chosen with a suit that's fine go on your way exactly um yeah yeah they will be there'll but yeah i I won't be doing any rear sniffing <laughs> no
0: certainly not Certainly not. Yeah. but yeah you get in a conversation about you know the before times and what you're doing yeah. and you know you mentioned that you're a comic book creator um and they they become very interested and uh they start off with a you know quite um original question, which is the fir- what's the first comic you remember enjoying?
1: Hmm. Um okay, remember enjoying. I was gonna say I the first guy I remember was like a Silverhawks comic that my dad bought me when I was, you know, home sick from school. Um but I don't remember much about it. I don't even know if I could read at that age. It was I just remember the cover of that that cowboy I th- was his name Bluegrass? I think his name was Bluegrass. Oh uh, yeah, I'm not sure <laughs> but then uh I think I read some turtles comics but again that was more of like collecting you know there was that big thing in the night or the 80s and 90s of collecting the first comic i remember really enjoying um were the 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 kyle baker and um john moore did three books that were kind of companion pieces to the the warren brady dick tracy movie one of them was like a straight-off adaptation but there were two others which were them exploring that world that had been created um, so they weren't, you know, they weren't like the Chester Gould, Dick Tracy books. They were this sort of Warren Brady Dick Tracy world. But I remember seeing um, uh, Baker's art and just being absolutely floored by it. It was the first time I can kind of remember thinking like, oh, th- you know, like this isn't corporate art. You know, this this was an, an individual who did this. You know, I'd seen, I suppose, you know, like maybe if we want to go to like the funny pages, I'm, you know, I'll mention Bill Watterson later mm. on. A mm-hmm. huge influence, uh, but in terms of like just a comic book, this is mm-hmm. the first time I saw some art and I thought well, you know this isn't this isn't somebody who's you know basically just trying to make it look like the TV show that it came from.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it was really something really visceral about it and it was so he had this sort of deadline, that flat color, and you know mm-hmm. it was sort of like um it was playing with the, the I don't know that that kind of urban feel of uh uh like i don't know late 80s early 90s um art kind of inspired by like the memphis group and stuff like that it was just really edgy and quite interesting and colorful and explosive and expressive um and i just i couldn't i couldn't shake it there was something about it. i just kept looking at it and going back and forth being like do i like this or do i not i couldn't quite tell (laughs) and that i think that that sort of question do i like it or do i not meant that it was something that was that somehow like it clocked in my mind i was like oh this is really something else this is because i don't know this is something special and i kept looking at things and then i can i can remember taking like tracing paper and drawing from it and then um you know i my copies of those books were i've gone through several several copies of them um whenever i i see one in like a, a shop or um like a charity shop like that I even though i've already got them i pick it up because i think. They're just, there's something about it. I just can't resist them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember like tracing these things and being like, oh, there's, there's like this real deliberate choices that are being made here. Because on, on one hand, like, I don't know if, if you're familiar with the, the, the comics they did. Not um, so those much. Dick but... Tracy, those Dick Tracy comics. They, there's something really quite naive and simple about them mm. um, on the surface. It, and it almost looks, and maybe maybe there is. I know there was, um, there was some interviews that Becky did about those books um, at some point, but I can't. Track them down for whatever reason. People mention them online, but they never actually like print, reprint the articles. Mm. Um, I imagine because it was, you know, tied into uh, you know like film rights and film companies, they wanted to get these things out fairly quickly. Mm. So I imagine part of his decision making was was purely economical. You know, like I've got to produce a, an eighty page book really, really quickly. So I am not going to bother with bringing any other thing, but I am going to use one pen. It's all going to be deadline and flat color and. And that's that's and, and maybe even just work straight off of rough layouts, mm. but you know Baker is such a virtuoso that um, you know even at his rawest form he produces things of such startling beauty and dynamism that uh, I just I love those books, and from from then on like the the kind of comics that I would gravitate towards once the big comic boom occurred of the early nineties stuff that i remember really wanting and really collecting and really reading and not just sort of you know um buying because people were buying comics to you know as collectors items but like buying to read Were all comics from very unique voices so like john wagner's grindle or michael alred's madman um or mignola's hellboy you know they were they were people who had like a very singular voice um it's just really drawn to uh, you know the quirkier the better um, really the stuff you know like from DC or Marvel particularly DC at that time Marvel was you know they were all angsty and you had Leif Liefeld and Tom Carlin who couldn't draw enough lines or Jim Lee you know like <laughs> they, they could not draw enough lines like just lines 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 um and that 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 bored me um and the DC stuff being like uber realistic yeah um I just yeah it's always left me cold but you know those like ben Edlund's tick oh i couldn't get enough of ben edlin's tick like just awesome the, the roughness and the simplicity of it all um so yeah carl baker boom right there i those dick tracy books loved them, loved them, loved them, still love them awesome, still man. look at them all the time you bet
0: and obviously that that set you off on a on a lifelong passion for, for for comics and and becoming a creator yourself so kind of when when did you first think ah i could i could really have a go at this
1: Um, I don't know I don't know so I know I mean I can say that like from a from early age I knew I wanted to do something that involved drawing Um, and I loved I loved comic strips before I loved comics Um, and I thought maybe I would do comic strips Um, and every once in a while through my teenage years and even into like first years of uni I would sometimes sit down and try and kind of work out okay how would I how would I do this but Um, I spoke to a few people who were um, sort of cartoonists, local cartoonists for like St. Louis, and the amount of work you have to do to to do that was just so, um, you know, like putting in a daily strip, it's an awful lot of work, Mm. Um, and trying to make it funny every time, I just found really daunting, Um, and eventually I just kind of, I gravitated back towards comic books, so that was, that would have been probably um i don't know maybe 21 or 22 maybe even 23 um i was i was in i was teaching english in korea and um and this this is like the age of my space and uh (laughs) i um, I thought yeah just as a way of like connecting with friends back home i (laughs) thought oh it'd be funny to kind of start drawing some comics for their amusement yeah and i started drawing a, a little comic series and from there i was like oh you know i might actually be able to do this but i you know, it, comics are one of those things of of um, it's a it's it's a really like in order to break into the industry, you've you've got to do the cons and all that stuff. And having not really, I, you know, I read comics and collected comics a bit, but I was never really in in like in bed with the comic community, I suppose. So I didn't go to the conventions, and I didn't go to um you know, I didn't write to to comic artists or or, or writers and say how did you do it or how did you break in. It was always this sort of, like, unachievable thing. Um, but the UK scene was just so inviting and so welcoming <laughs> and so accessible that, you know, I, I, I did one con, met loads of people who are you know, now really, really good friends um, and uh, just spiraled on from there. So, yeah, I suppose when did I start to kind of do it professionally or when did I decide to sort of pursue it as a professional career? Very recently, 20, 2016, 2017, something like that. It's awesome, man. Um, and yeah you've just
0: gone from strength to strength really so you know congratulations man <laughs> well thank you i th- I think there's something
1: to it about um some people i think are probably ready for something like that from a very early age mm-hmm. you know some people can can you know immediately out of school or out of out of uni, uni. i mean some people don't even need uni they're just ready to, they're fully formed they can just go in and make comics but for me i think i needed to have that kind of that meandering journey of life where mm-hmm. I, you know, I was just a bum for a long, long time. I think I needed that. Mm. Um, and uh, so, it, you know, it, it, meant that by the time I was started to work out in comics, um, I, you know, I, I, I kind of, I was able to be a bit uh, calmer about it all and be a bit more um, self um, critical without being like too down on myself. Yeah. I, I sort yeah, exactly. of, I was to, I mean, critical maybe.
0: yeah yeah
1: and i knew the questions to ask us both because i was a bit older i'm in my early 40s now um and uh so i was you know mid 30s when i started it i think that was uh, Mm. for me that was the right thing to do
0: yeah exactly um i mean there's the, the there are benefits to that i think like if you if you do get too much success too early that like in the long term that can really set you up for a big fool yeah yeah Um,
1: i mean and and also i think it can sort of set unrealistic expectations because you're you're young and you've got a lot of energy Mm -hmm. and you may not have um you know lots of financial or family commitments at that point in time yeah and i think i if i found comics too early i think i probably would have burnt out yes really young yeah yeah um and also i don't know i mean I, i i don't want to tell people that when they're younger than they don't have life experiences and they can't write you know everybody some people have lived more of a life than i live by the age of 10 (laughs) you know so like i i won't be the worthy um gatekeeper but uh, for me yeah Mm. i I, well, i think i think being yeah being in comics at a young younger age would have been not good for me fair play fair play
0: now going back to the forest and in your um your uh, dressed up conversation
1: yeah i just want to make it clear that like just because i'm in the bear costume i will still use a toilet
0: yes <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. I, won't, I won't you're gonna go full bear no 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 i mean well i'd like to say i won't <laughs> yeah exactly
0: time. when in rome when in rome so i call it method acting <laughs> exactly exactly brilliant oh uh, speaking of which you know uh, what's the what's the funniest comic or most laugh out loud moment in a comic that you've read
1: um all right so uh, i mentioned um bill watterson uh, a little while ago um i mean the, it, i don't know i mean comics uh, comics 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 um i don't typically read like funny comics i don't know why i don't gravitate towards them i like um i don't i don't know what i like in comics i like whatever is in front of me and that's good that i enjoy um But for some reason i don't typically like read humor comics um i still like i like my my funnies to be like in the funny papers so bill watterson's calvin Hobbes. i mean i'm not alone in this you know he's clearly uh you know the the sort of gold standard of comic humor for a reason Um, but his his strips like without fail make me chuckle make me laugh sometimes you know full out belly laughs Mm -hmm. i find that i've you know i find it rare that like when you're reading that you have a, like a full on belly laugh, you know, like it's like, yeah. like you kind of internalize reading humor and it's, it sort of makes you maybe smile or chuckle or you laugh to yourself in your head, but you're not really laughing. But uh, with like Calvin and Hobbes, like sometimes it's that, that combination between his beautiful sparkling dialogue, like, you know, like way too wise for his ears, Calvin yeah, uh, or, <laughs> or sometimes Hobbes. Um, and then those, those, the gesture line of his, his comics. I mean, I don't want to like sit there and read a comic strip to you like that's the least funny thing to do is like <laughs> in this panel but um there's there's one in particular that i can remember the first time reading it and just wetting myself with laughter which is there's this um i mean calvin in a bath is always funny but there's one where he it's a sunday funny he's pretending he's godzilla and he's narrating it um like 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 um Rorschach does in Watchmen you know he's like narrating the scene of Mm -hmm. he he is both the creature and the narrator I mean as he often does yeah and uh um he somehow makes his way downstairs from the bath and he just spits water all over his mom and this this final panel which I think is just so funny of just like naked Calvin running up the stairs and you just see like the mom's arms and Calvin is still narrating so like you have to realize that like he's saying all this stuff and like his mom is obviously, you know, able to like hear what he's saying and I think that's hilarious. Um and yet she's still like just like raving at him while she runs up the stairs after him. It's this sort of this gleeful abandoned look on his face as he's running up the stairs naked in her in all her fury. Um, it's a combination between the, that idea of like him seriously narrating this thing while running for his life. I just yeah. think it's hilarious. It's pretty God, you know, God God love him. Bill yeah. Watterson funny 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 guy
0: oh yeah you bet and uh keeping it fresh all the, all those years i mean you know mm. what a master
1: <laughs> yeah and this what i love now is like is is rereading the strips now that i'm a dad
0: yes. particularly
1: like the the yeah. the polls like you know how how bad calvin's dads were doing in the polls and so like like not too long ago a couple of nights ago was the first time that like my my two-year-old daughter came to me and said I don't love you. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> just, you know, I'd like I I didn't give she wanted some chocolate for for supper and I refused to give it to her. Yeah. Um and so, you know, she's <laughs> she's already learned to be withholding. Um <laughs> Amazing. Just, you know, it's sort of it all of a sudden those strips kind of they 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 gain a whole new layer, you know. Exactly. You, you enjoy you enjoy them at first cuz you you know what it's like to be a 6-year-old kid and to be Yeah. you know, absolutely um uh in between your imagination and the real world we you know you know what that's like and then to know what it's like to also have to be the parent who somehow has to get this kid um you know from from uh from being a you know a child into somehow some form of of balanced adulthood uh (laughs) and all of the risks and the, (laughs) the sacrifices that takes it's just yeah just golden absolutely golden i don't even know if he had had kids himself or not i Imagine he must have that insight that he had. <clears throat>
0: You'd have thought um, so.
1: Yeah. If he, if he, if Bill Watterson doesn't have any kids, and yet he still had that kind of insight, my goodness! Think of the things that he could do.
0: Yeah, you bet. Let's just have a quick, mm. quick look. Sorry, also, sorry. And I
1: would, I would, uh, you know, just to give, I'd like, I'd like to give a shout out there too. I think in my mind, the, the, the one person at least in comics that does make me laugh um, in comic comics is a uh, uh, Roger Langridge. My God, is he funny? What a brilliant man Roger Langridge is! National treasure, I think. He, um, yeah. If there's somebody who deserves much more esteem in our community, it's Roger Langridge. His. Um, do you do you read his daily? Story? Sorry, I was I was
0: just reading the um, uh, the Bill Watson. Wikipedia. I was yeah. trying to find out if you had any kids. Oh, right. Sorry, sorry, Russell. I was uh, I was being completely unresponsive. Oh, no, that's fine. But looking at Roger, Roger Langridge. Uh, no, yeah, sorry. I I haven't I haven't read his his um his strips before. Um, oh, no, he. I mean, he does. Yeah, he tell he me does. On. You
1: know, obviously, he obviously he like you know he he um, was the person who drew the Muppets um comics.
0: Right, back, okay. uh, not
1: too long ago then he, he, you know, he, he worked on a few like Popeye things. Um, I mean, obviously, he's his own books, um, like uh, Knuckles the Nun, um, and uh, mm. his his uh, so many like his Hotel Fred strips. He does is so wonderful. But he does these um, every day. He does a, a he, he decided a couple of years ago that he would try and do a daily strip, and it's like a, a an autobiography strip. So it's sort of you know, stuff from life that he does, things that he's thinking about. Yeah. And um he he has that same kind of ability as like, I don't know, like a Gary Larson or a, a Bill Watterson to um be very philosophical and yet find the humor in that. And then the next day, be absolutely absurd, absolutely non-sequitur absurd, and for that still to be funny. Um The roundness of his ability to be funny, it's just, he's brilliant. Like I said, he's... If, if if this if the UK actually really appreciate their cartoonists, um, you know Roger Langridge deserves to be um, up there with you know the the rest of the national treasures like uh, your Stephen Fry's and your Dame Judy Dench's awesome. Roger Langridge, you know it, we he's a Kiwi we don't deserve.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, just fa- found out, so um, he had a daughter, Violet Waterson. What was her name
1: really? Yeah, well, it's had so name. he did it. Okay, he wonderful. did, yeah, yeah. He uh, did, he he, he th- wait, that that sounds a bit um, a bit <laughs> ominous. He had a daughter, <laughs> yeah he does have a daughter. He does, oh, okay, good, right. thank god. Okay. That I thought ominous. you were gonna say, and then she
0: died, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Oh my oh, no, god, so oh, no. absolutely, absolutely brutal. Um,
1: okay, yeah, that makes no. okay, good, good, that makes perfect sense. Though. Apparently,
0: he did, yeah, yeah all right, cool. Yeah, he knows wow. what's up yeah exactly exactly man excellent um well um thank you very much
1: um for- go for go check right? out yeah. this particular exactly. character he, he, right, he's got this um he imagines that he has uh, uh like a like an igor character that lives in his basement yeah called piles piles oh oh, oh my goodness the pile strips the pile strips are so funny <laughs> Please, yeah, go check
0: it out. Oh, that sounds brilliant already. Um, now switching gears quite suddenly, mm-hmm. Russell. <laughs>
1: Sorry, um,
0: I uh, choked as I as I hit the gear le- lever. Oh, you uh, you've you've hit it too, hit it too fast. Yeah, exactly, too fast. I, I choked the clutch. Um, what's the what's the saddest comment? Oh, have you done it before? Or yeah, what's oh, yeah, the saddest comment?
1: Yeah, um, I mean, this is this is difficult. There's a lot of a lot of sad sad moments. But I was thinking of. of... I was trying to remember um, Man in a Bear costume. (laughs) Um, What hit me the most, what I wasn't expecting, I suppose. Because sometimes, you know, you could read a comic and you fully well know by picking it up that there's going to be some grief or some, um, you know, some trauma or something quite sad in it. Um, But the comic that knocked me for six um, was Bone, Jeff Smith's Bone. And I I started reading it from um, uh, from book one, uh, you know, collecting it back back when it first came out. Um, I was of that generation that you know Bone was was my thing, and um, you know it's just a funny funny book, it's a funny book, you know, yeah, cartoon book, yeah, yeah, funny funny little squiggly little Disney like characters doing doing hijinks and getting into races dressed as cows. Instantly thought about a cow. Again, we said that, but, you know, cow. Zombie, so. <laughs> but uh, uh, no. Yeah. So um, lovely. You know, stupid, stupid rat creatures. Great. Funny, funny, gags, gags, gags. And then like, you know, 10, 15, 20 issues in all of a sudden, boom, this isn't a funny book. You know, this is, this is something heavy. This is something serious. And um, you know, there are real stakes here and, and the Bones aren't just, you know, kind of Warner Brothers cartoons who can get hit by an anvil and then snap back. They they can feel and experience pain and suffering just like anybody else. And um, seeing those depictions of, this, you know, there's a scene kind of near the end where um, Bone and Thorn are on the side quest uh, and... Um, uh, uh, do, um, do I need to? I mean, do I need to explain bone? People know a bone. Aren't oh you? yeah, it's no, like gen- yeah. yeah, People know bone. I don't need to Generally, tell. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's been
0: it's been mentioned on the pod quite a few times. Okay, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a seminal work. Right? Yeah, seminal exactly work. Whatever. I don't think I've ever actually looked up seminal the definition of it is. It's one of those words <laughs> I take for granted. It probably doesn't yeah. mean, doesn't mean what I think it does. <laughs> but anyway, it's a seminal work. Whatever um, that may be. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's there's he's all cut up and he's bruised and he's got a black eye and a bump on his head and thorns all cut up. And there's that big giant rat creature, the King like rat creature who, you know, is sort of like Grindel styles an arm and it's hobbling around and they're all, they're all stuck in this cave network, bring it all back together. Cave network. It's all, uh, it all, it's all linked. Um, and uh, um, yeah. And like uh, there's this tussle and, and, um, the, uh, um, there's this moment where you kind of think oh holy you know holy shit. is he is he really gonna kill off thorn um, and he leaves it on this big cliffhanger where the rat creatures like sort of in his death thralls landed on her and crunches her leg and um, I, I can remember it just sort of you know you've been on this journey with these people and you really invested in them um, and you know, for being two dimensional characters, they really were so well rounded. Um and uh yeah, I can remember putting that, that comic down and just having to take a breather. Um just you know, it's quite quite shooken up by it. Mm. Um and you know, fortunately it it does have a somewhat happy ending. So it's not I guess it's not the saddest thing, but it it certainly was the the thing that kind of like made me worried made me concerned um yeah made me really care about the the what happened to these characters um what a profound way i mean this this books which are like have like a longing sort of sadness like anything that chris ware does oh my god sure. it, you know you read like a chris ware book and you just sure. you just you're just depressed you're just down
0: yeah
1: um in a in a different kind of uh, sort of a numb melancholic way but this was yeah the that that in the cave bit with Bone, it's just really um, desperate, yeah. desperate. That's the word I'm yeah. for. It was really
0: and quite and quite a mood shift as well. Yeah, hugely mood.
1: I mean, that, so it's like quite that,
0: unexpected, like in general.
1: Yeah, if you if you handed somebody um, from like book like Bone from book I don't know eighteen down and had them read through it, yeah. kind of you know give them a little bit of a backstory, and then after they'd finished it, then gave them the first couple of issues they're probably like what this isn't the same thing like you made these because <laughs> there is there's a huge tonal shift but actually you know when you when you go back on it you think this isn't um this is very in the in the vein of like uh, um the hobbit you know or right. the rings like right. you know it you know the hobbit opens up and it's it, you know it's it's um furry fed uh little hobbit creatures you know talking about food and yeah exactly um, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's the the grimness of the world beyond. So, you know, it's it's not without precedent that that there's this sort of bait and switch yeah, in the narrative.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, it's beautifully done and incredibly moving. And I I think I probably you know, just do a reread. I might have to. Might have yeah. To, maybe Christmas time, we do it again.
0: There you go. Nice, nice. Now mm.
1: talking about mood shifts. Um, okay. Moving
0: on to uh, what's the scariest comic or most horrifying moment in a comic that you've read
1: all right well let me let me premise this by saying that i am a big baby um i don't i don't really like horror (laughs) like i scare so easily um i there's still like you know there's no no child particularly a child of the 80s with movies like gremlins or um oh what is the name of that book with uh the movie with the critters critters that's right it. yeah you know no child of the 80s i imagine this is true of any child but no child of the 80s wants to put their foot down off the bed yeah you know in the middle of the night yeah because there's definitely something that lives under there and i'm pretty sure even as a 42 year old man there is still something under the bed like, <laughs> you know i don't i don't believe in ghosts i don't believe in monsters or anything like that but Probably are ghosts and monsters. <laughs> I know they don't exist, but like I, I still spook. Reasons, well, you know,
0: better safe than sorry, Russell.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. There's there's no harm in me wetting the bed instead of accidentally yeah, getting exactly. my toes bitten off by a monster. Exactly. Sheets sheets will wash. Precisely. Sheets will wash. Um, that I mean, this was that could be my strategy for avoiding the aliens: just cover myself in urine. Um, but um, yeah, so I don't I don't typically read a whole lot of horror um but i you know i know it makes me scared (laughs) i know (laughs) how effective you know scary images are um that so harrow county i those the covers to harrow county i've never read a single page of harrow county but i can tell you right now that that book must be the scariest shit (laughs) those those covers were so beautifully brilliantly effectively done that very first one you kind of you could tell that's just like this is going to be a special book in the horror world, with that that weird folded up skin person, with their fingers just sort of crawling out of a, yeah. out of the dresser. Like I've never read the book, but that well, image...
0: that's kind of it's quite telling, isn't it? It's like
1: yeah, I'm not sure I want to
0: <laughs> get into that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I mean that that book is that that cover that image was so affecting. Yeah, like it seared into my mind, like. I can I can close my eyes and see that image perfectly, so I think you know even though I've never read the book, that book still terrifies me. I think that's yeah. that's that's pretty effective. Yeah, that's pretty great. Um, in terms of horror comics that I have read, um, Mike Garley is a good friend. Yeah, um, and uh, I remember he <laughs> we were we were talking about collaborating many years ago, and uh, and uh, he said, "So what kind of you know like." I know that he does a range of stuff Yeah, Um, and uh, and he's like, so what what kind of things do you want to work? on?" I said, well, uh, I I don't know that I would ever want to do anything in the horror genre. He said, (laughs) have you, have you read my books? (laughs) Generally in that (laughs) direction. Yeah, no. Yeah. Um, But I will say Mark Garley, um, he knows his, uh, he knows his onions. Um, Yeah. His samurai slasher series are great. The the but the the one that I think is most affecting. I keep saying affecting. I must like that word. <laughs> um, he did a um, uh, 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 samurai slasher. um colon, late fees. It it sort of it's it it's like a samurai slasher book, but it isn't. It's sort of it's more more autobiographical. I don't know how autobiographical it is. Mm. Um, I've had a few conversations with him about it. <clears throat> and I think he sort of says that there are moments of it, but it isn't, you know, it's not an autobiography. But right. auto, I think autobiographical comics can be sometimes, um, you know, they're, everything may be quite different, but there's still a mood or there's a feeling or there's a tone mm. that is brought forward that is really identifiable. And I think Late Fees certainly has that sort of woven throughout it. It feels very personal um and it's i don't want to give anything away because i i i I want to but i want to sell the book i think it's it's a really 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 good book i think it's quite important in many ways um but it's particularly for like for those of us who grew up in the 80s and you know can remember spending many happy hours in a vhs rental shop Mm -hmm. with that smell of stale buttery popcorn oh yeah looking through those those vhs cases in sort of you know, trying to convince your dad or mom to let you borrow something which is, you know, you had no right watching at the age you were. <laughs> but he somehow kind of captures that um that, that that free sound of excitement of of convincing, you know, by either blackmail or <laughs> whatever it is, <laughs> your parents of, of like renting a movie that you you really shouldn't be watching. Um, but that sort of bonding experience of watching a, a, a movie that you're probably too young for with a parent. Yeah, man. That sort of that trust, that yeah. sort of, you know, I trust you to do this. And it's like, it's like little... kids
0: watching Robocop way too early. Yeah. It's yeah like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. I think at the time people were just thinking, ah, oh, it's just like another action flick. And it's like, yeah, some pretty horrific stuff happens in it. Yeah. <laughs> like... yeah there's,
1: a lot of, there's a lot of shots in the groin. <laughs> yeah, and, um...
0: exactly. I mean, the initial scenes <laughs> as well are pretty well they're really horrifying in fact actually oh,
1: <laughs> sorry man, I mean it's you know, like... it. oh, no, no not at all I mean I, I think I think in many ways like even stuff that was aimed at kids like yeah. never ending story I mean, yeah. I'm mean, i not alone in, in yeah. being affected by the, oh, man. the, the, the horse Atreyu yeah. tra- that into was the... it tra- oh. Yeah, oh, oh,
0: Atreyu oh. and
1: then you know oh, what that...
0: the Transformers movie within the first yes. 15 minutes they kill yeah. Optimus it's like okay just Kill my childhood right now.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, not just Optimus, but like all of these. Everybody. You know, all of yeah. all of the characters that you oh, went mind. to the theater to see. Yeah, yeah, were yeah. Dead. <laughs>
0: gave They Game of yeah. Thrones. It like straight out of the gate.
1: Yeah. It's like, yeah. Oh my god. But you know that was that was not designed for kids. Right. No. Oh yeah. well, yeah. Exactly. Um,
0: Their thinking, I believe, yeah. was that they wanted to sell a whole new set of toys. Yeah. Because because they oh, yeah. yeah. they'd milked all they could out of, out of yeah. that line.
1: Anyone, Little did they know that, like yeah. you know, for 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 millions of kids yeah. of that generation, you were going to, you know, you can Star hear. Them. I'm sure. Can I'm sure everyone who who remembers that kid who's old enough to remember it can hear that pulse, yeah, of the <gasps> the heartbeat oh as it goes away, and that Stan Bush soundtrack in the background, that synthesized, beautiful, do, 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 do. oh oh, it's awesome, man. haunting. Um, but yeah, I think I think late fees. Yes. It 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 sort of I don't know, it um it, it's scary in a very kind of real um and child uh child nostalgic way mm-hmm. for a particular generation. I just think it's and it's it's a really beautiful story as well. I mean I think this is the one thing where like I'm even though I don't like horror um because I'm a scared wuss, <laughs> I never discount it because I think it's such an important um literary genre yeah man you know it's 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 all about you know about um oh the things that you know the the things that we try and pull over on each other and uh, yeah the things that we know we shouldn't do but we do anyway mm-hmm. and you know mm-hmm. in many ways like i mean I'm, I'm not the first person to say this but usually the villains or the monsters yeah they're they're actually a, that form of that righteous indignation um and I, you know i think it's important that we explore that stuff so yeah uh, you know, in zombies, I know that, you know, they're representation for the mindless materialist in a capitalist society. Yeah. But they're, you know, they scare the fuck out of me. So I stay yeah, clear. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I have no idea what the Walking Dead series, what happens in it. I've seen pictures of it. It scares me.
0: It's enough. <laughs> yeah, totally. I'll sidestep that one. <laughs> yeah. Fair play. Fair play. Uh, now, uh, moving on to my favorite question. Um, and that is what yeah. is your favorite cover?
1: Um, Okay, so I, d- I, d- yeah, I don't know that I have. I don't know that I have a favorite cover. Um, you know, like if I had to get, if somebody said, okay, I will give you, a, you know, a hundred million bucks to tattoo a cover onto your chest. <laughs> Holy smokes! Um, yeah, I mean, I suppose I would, I would, I would pick something. But if they were like, yeah. but really, but it really, really, really has to be your favorite. Yeah, man. I'd probably be like, I don't know that I can take your money. I don't know that I have a favorite. <laughs> okay, I'm going to tie uh, a
0: dart in you. I'm going to take yeah, you to a car park, right. and I'm going to hold yeah. a gun
1: to your head. <laughs> so, all right, I will. I will say this. I think my favorite comic artist of yeah. all time is is Harvey Kurtzman. Um, Excellent. From like EC and Mad Magazine fame. Um, I just think that his. I, I think it's a, a real tragedy that he maybe it isn't a tragedy it's a tragedy to me because i like looking at artwork probably not a tragedy to him but that he he kind of fell more into the, the vein of being a writer and an editor and less of a, a visual artist because i think the right. art is so impactful mm-hmm. um He, what I love about him is he was one of these guys that was like meticulous with his research, which I can, you know, I'm, I'm as a former librarian who loves research, I totally get behind. You know, I Mm. will spend way too many hours looking for um, the underbelly of a particular tank that only was in the first world war for you know six months just so <laughs> i know what it looks like as the tank goes overhead you know there's no one in living memory who would know what that, the ability of, of this tank looks like but i will i will go out i will buy a model of the tank i will construct it i will then take a photo underneath it just so i know so that i can sleep at night <laughs> in kurtz when it was a similar way like he um you may it may not be obvious when you look at his work because he was he really he had this very his simplicity of his line work <laughs> but um uh, particularly for his war comics, um, mm. you know, he knew exactly what how that rifle was constructed. He knew what the uniform was for a GI in the Korean War at the beginning, and how it differed from a GI in the Korean War at the end.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so, there's all that information that he then boils down because he knows it also well. He knows how to simplify it. He knows how to how to how to convey that mm. in a few strokes. And he also he knew composition. I mean, there there were there were. I mean, I, I don't know if you're familiar with. Like the way the EC bullpen worked during the heyday of the EC comics um, uh, of this sort of notorious um, era of the fifties and sixties, but uh, but if you worked for Kurtzman, often he would you know he'd write the script and then he would usually give people um, these like onion skin layouts, and he would he would expect them to use his layouts. So even if you had someone like Wally Wood, who you know uber detailed um and you know a, a quite competent draftsman and comp you know a, capable of composing images on his own mm. uh, Kurtzman would still kind of expect to a certain degree that his layouts would be followed but to you know give him his due it's because the guy knew how to communicate clearly and effectively and his layouts yeah. are brilliant you can mm-hmm. look at them and be like I don't need to see all of the the detail that you would get from a Will Elder or, or a Wollywood no. you know Coltsman's layouts are bang on um, but he often did a lot of covers because uh, how slow he worked um, he you know he sometimes would prefer not to do interior work and just do writing and editing and do the covers Right. Uh, but there's one there's the first um, two-fisted annual from 1952 um, where I mean, I'm off the bat as well like what I loved about EC's war stories was there was no there was no they were no glorification of war like no. the guys who you know, a lot of the a lot of the guys who were working on these war comics, they'd been through either the Second World War mm-hmm. or through Korea, so they'd seen action. You know, they they knew that war was hell. You know, they yeah. they knew that war was literally yeah, hell. Yeah. Um, and and with Kurtzman, his his philosophy behind like Two Fists Tales was, um, I'm I'm not going to give you, uh, you know, just dead bodies without consequences. You know. Often your protagonist, your American GI, who should be the, the 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 I don't know the channel through which American propaganda would flow, um, would sometimes or often meet a sticky end, um, and often be the villain of the piece. And uh, uh, so there was there was always a twist here. But so this cover, um, you, you're pretty sure, probably by. The you know in the next second after this sort of snapshot was taken, everybody, everybody that's visible is dead. Um, but you've got these these four GIs. Um, I would guess they're probably from the Korean War, but it may have been World War Two. Um, I'm not so good on the costume or the uniforms. Costumes. <laughs> We're fighting GIs. in <laughs> costumes, We're in costumes. Um, Get in costume,
0: guys. Let's go. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah, geez, uh, sorry, guys. Um, yeah, in their in their uniforms, uh, and they they are taking off this like, uh, or they're attacking this uh, machine gun bunker position. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's so you are taking your the viewer is taking the position of the machine gunner. So you're either you know the, the yeah. Korean soldier mm-hmm. or the German soldier or the Italian soldier, and you are you know, strafing a machine bullet machine gun bullets into these GIs. Um there's only one of them who's who's bitten it, but boy is he bitten it. There's just mm. his feet both both of his feet are off of you know, they're they're millimeters above the horizon, you know, so he's he's been knocked off his feet, his helmet's flying away. Um there's there's another G. I who, you know, he's he looks like he's hard as nails, um, but it's probably as dumb as bricks. And there's another <laughs> one in the in the background and there's enough detail that you can see he is shitting his pants. <laughs> and then there's the the central figure. Um, he he's in this sort of almost like Francis Bacon esque torsion of his body, and you can't quite tell. Like his his top half of his body looks like it's going in one direction. It's, mm. like, it's like almost as though he's like trying to turn around in mid leap. Like he's just decided this is a terrible idea. I'm going back to Iowa, um, <laughs> and there's this look on his face, which is both again Francis Bacon esque, um, which is both of a man you know of a of a a warrior attempting to psych themselves up to do this heinous act and at the same time is absolutely Mm. terrified
0: yeah
1: and um and i i just think in terms of simplicity the lines are all beautiful there's no line there that doesn't need to be there there's no extraneous background um the the sky is is just this sort of lovely red yellow gradient um simple simple color palette not a lot of detail but what's there is really important and really effective and the emotional impact you feel it you absolutely feel it and you are, you are both the, the, the bringer of death by being the person behind this uh, machine gun but because the, the people being shot down if you're a kid in the Bronx in 1952 reading this book they're also your your countrymen yeah uh, you know, the impact that must have had. And I think, and it still has, I think, that resonance today when you look at it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, It. every time I see it, it, it does, some, you know, I, I see something new that I didn't see before. Yeah, yeah, Even though there's more detail. But it ultimately it still has that same kind of, um, oh, pathos. Like you just think, oh, it, it, and it has, I don't know, for me, I don't know, it just has this ability of, of both, you sort of feel sorry for these characters, but you also then feel sorry for the people who fought these terrible, terrible bloody wars. Yeah, you're um, right. You know, this sort of sympathy that Kurtzman has. And I, I don't know, I, I, this is me digressing. I don't know how those guys did it. I don't know how oh, yeah, they drew no. war books knowing that they'd been through it all themselves. Yeah, right. I mean, it, it could have well been therapy.
0: in some ways I mean say for some people it'd be yeah therapeutic to try and get over some level of PTSD or something Mm. and uh yeah no I mean I'm I'm, I've managed to find it and and looking at it now yeah no it's 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 a really um emotionally effective cover um and uh yeah I, I get the sense that you know the the machine gunist is like just going from right to left <clears throat> basically mm. like he's going to be just yeah. wiping those guys out like in an instant <laughs> yep. like with this machine gun and it's like oh my word this is just senseless um and absolutely yeah. but, but like i mean the guy that's in the in the middle there like almost getting over the over the trench to kill him with the bayonet on his front on his on his rifle there, um, is scared that he's gonna end up killing
1: this guy as well. Yeah which is yeah weird. Um yeah, yeah. there's th- there is that there's that remote yeah. possibility that he might survive. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And just, he'll end up that's, having that's, that's to kill this
0: guy. Um yeah. and I I believe it's something like seventy percent of soldiers in Vietnam shot above head height when they were shooting. Or wow. something like that. Like most wow. most guys who were yeah soldiers in Vietnam were actually like not aiming to kill <laughs> basically yeah. they were shooting above head height and like oh god it's crazy man that's awful yeah. no, I'm like why you, did you we just do did, things, yeah I yeah. exactly, just didn't want to be there and yeah. I don't want to kill people I that's crazy man yeah yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah no awful awful but very yeah. very 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 um very emotive and uh, but I, I you know
1: I kind of I hold kurtzman up as the you know yeah. sort of the, the 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 creator who i'd love most to emulate yeah and if i could no, if i really could make important. covers as impactful as that yeah you know I'm set and even even i don't know maybe it's just my eyes but even my eyes today in 2023 you know almost 80 80 years um in you know, 70 plus well, 70 70 plus years coming up on on this when this cover was created and I think it still has the same impact. It still feels fresh today.
0: Yeah, man. Yeah, you bet. You bet. Yeah. Incredible. All right, now um, moving on to another of my favourite questions, and that mm-hmm. is, what comic do you repeatedly
1: read the most? All right, so I mean, it's it's going to be no surprise. My answer, <laughs> um, if anybody knows my work, I, you know, I you know reading if you read Gateway or some of the other stuff that I've done, you know that I love a, a good hard boiled story. Um. And you know I like my my sort of mid-century kind of lines and qualities and storytelling. Um, so it's got to be Darwin Cook's Parker adaptations you know, through IDW. I read those all the time. Um, Darwin Cook, you know, bless, you know, God rest his soul if, if you believe in God. I, I don't, but if there is a God, I hope he rests Darwin Cook's soul. You bet. Um, <laughs> uh, someone ought to, you know, he was just... Had such a huge. Um, I don't even say the word impact because that. I, I, I. don't think it was. I don't think it was an impact like a fist. It was like uh, his work kind of rippled. Sort of was like ripple. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like it was like the blob. You know, it just mm. sort of like it, it um it permeated. That's it. Mm. it. Rippled. It permeated into um into I think our contemporary comic language um it was so powerful um you know there are a lot of people who who have kind of gone down that that path of emulating sort of the bruce timms and the darwin cooks and some do it better than others for some it's a pastiche for some they've 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 discovered a, a language of their own mm-hmm. but um you know in terms of of bringing that that style to comics uh, you know, certainly Darren Cook did way more comics than Bruce Tim has. Um, and those Parker books, you can tell they're a labor of love. Mm-hmm. You know, you can tell there's something that he'd wanted to do for a very long time. And maybe it was that he had wanted to um, to, to translate them into animation, which they would have been beautiful as. But as as, as a comic, they, they exist as both a beautiful narrative as well as a, like a lovely object. Mm. Like, a, I don't want to sort of fetishize comics as objects. I think there's, there's, it's a bit problematic, but he was a great designer, um, Yeah, which, you know, I think could comics, that's what they are. <coughs> they're, mm-hmm. You can draw beautifully and be the best draftsman who's ever held a pencil, but that's not what comics are about, in my opinion. I think they're about, the economy of storytelling Mm -hmm. which which encompasses draftsmanship and design and knowing when to let design take over and when to let draftsmanship take a back seat yeah and um i think you know nobody knew that better than darwin cook and uh the um and also like hard-boiled stories are just wonderful we we i think we all are um well, you know, maybe there are there are probably hard boiled people out there, but they mm. aren't reading books. I don't think.
0: No.
1: <laughs> for those for those of us who are reading books, you know, we're all looking for something. We're all trying to escape or to find answers or to ponder big ponderable questions. And um, for the hard boiled actor character, um, you know, there's something uh, there's there's an unwavering self confidence and a level of expertise that Parker just exudes. You know, he's he's sort of one part, um, oh, I don't know, like a Cary Grant or a Clark Gable in one part. Um, oh, crumbs, this is terrible. <laughs> I can see his face, but I can't think of his name. Um, there's a couple. Um, 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 okay, uh, uh, Magnificent Seven, was mm-hmm. his face big flat shovel face um, <sighs> mm. in, in like Flint. Why well, can't I think of his name? James Burr. James Burr? No. Burr. No. Mm. Anyway. Maybe. <laughs> Everybody can be shouting at me right now.
0: Yeah, that's fine.
1: <laughs> I had too many wines at lunch. So give me a break. Yeah, so good. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so there's this, um, when you, when you sort of, I, and I think to a certain extent, from all the anecdotes, I never met Darrell Kirk when he was, still around but from everyone i know who has met him they all kind of say that he was a a kind of a no-nonsense um you know a a character who knew his own mind knew what he wanted knew how to get it and refused to to relent and um and i think that really comes across in those parker novels i think they were match made Um... in heaven Mm-hmm. Um, really, really good storytelling. You know, I don't think I don't think he was changing the world, but you know, I don't think the rape, the, the Parker novels are, you know, at the height of 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 um of American literature. Um, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I suppose, in some ways, they're elevated into Canadian American literature with um uh, with, with Darwin Cook turning his hand to them, but they are perfect examples of how. Um, the medium of comics can turn um, sort of, you know, even like the pulpiest of storytelling into something really magical and transcendent. And uh, I could read them over and over and over again. I just think they're wonderful. Um, The pacing, the voice, the tone, the design, it's all perfect. It's all perfect. That's awesome, man. Um, I'm going to have to look up in Mike Flint now because this is going to annoy everybody. Um, Do it, man. Uh, James Coburn. Of no course it was James Coburn. <laughs> there you, there you go. Yeah. Reminded me of James Coburn. I'm, I imagine there's a bit of that in there. But uh, anyway, yeah, those those books are, have you read them? Have you read I them?
0: haven't Marker, but... I haven't. No, no, no. I I they have come up on the pod before. Um mm-hmm. and I had taken a look at them um before. but I haven't I haven't read them. I need to. At some point, I mean, they—they I mean, are. They, I mean, just looking, looking at them cursory on Google and you know, just on Google images and things, Um and you know, just reading the premise there, you, the, the design, the composition looks beautiful. Mm. You know, it's it looks like it's absolutely fantastic. Um Yeah,
1: just, and what what gets to me is this: this. I'm a huge Dashiell Hammett fan. Um mm-hmm. You know i would love to adapt his <clears throat> continental op stories i think the mm. you know the same the sam spade stories have been done and done and done i'd love to do the content stories because i think not a lot of people know about those that character um and i've they're starting to come into public domain one by one and i thought oh maybe i should try and and adapt it and then i'll i'll sit down with with one of the stories and read it and just think oh, how do you turn this very text-heavy inner monologue into something which is interesting, yeah, as a comic. Um, so I need to I need to read some of the Parker novels actually, because um, somehow Cook managed to streamline them and yeah, and make them just you know ma- a masterclass in doing that. Um, who knows? Maybe the, maybe the books are really sparse. Maybe they're actually written like a script, like a comic script. Yeah, <laughs> you know, just waiting But uh, you never know. I, know. I don't anyway, I would say for those, for anyone who hasn't read them before, start with like, uh, we're coming up to, you know, to, to autumn and into winter. So go check out um, Sleigh Ground, um, mm. sort of a, 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 a wintry tale. Um, it's it's a really very simple, straightforward story of all the other ones. Um, you know, it's not heisty like some of them. It's, it's, it's survival. It's a man attempting to survive. And uh, it's great. It's so good. Check it out. Nice, man.
0: Nice. Uh, now, moving on to um, mm-hmm. our uh, eighth question. Uh, and that's, what's the most meaningful comment
1: to you? Mm. Um, it, this is yeah. This is one of those ones where I, I could put together a list of like 100 bucks. And the something. one that I wound up settling on, um, it's, 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 it's just something that I've been thinking about a lot lately i don't know that it is necessarily the most meaningful book to me of all time but it's the most it's it's really meaningful for me right now mm. um but, you know, i guess it's because you know i've got a young kid and i'm thinking about mortality because that's what people do you bet at a certain point <laughs> particularly when you've got kids you think oh how do i you know the world is on fire right now like <laughs> what What little, you know, I've only got a tiny little bucket with just a little drop of little water. What can I do to help put out all these fires? Um, And uh, and then you think, well, you know, at least I've got the bucket and I've got a little drop of water and I can do something. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm here to do that. And uh, I picked up, um, I don't often pick up books. I usually wait till they go into trade. Um, But sometimes something comes around that, it's just so special, and I just am so excited about it, that. I go in and I buy the single issues. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, Old Dog is one of those ones. Um, Declan Shelby's Old Dog came out, you know, fairly recently. I think he's just wrapped up the first series. That I love a good espionage, sort of cold War-y, kind of you know hard hard boiled story, and that's great. But um, it was uh, Kurt six and uh, uh, Jean Paul um a batman creature of the night so if you're not familiar with it it's it's part of their i think their black label it's not mm-hmm. it's not you know it's not the canon it's not an actual batman story it's sort of batman adjacent right so it's a, it's a sort of world where batman is a fictional character mm-hmm. and this kid who has some similarities to batman like his name is bruce but you know he's a suburban kid well i guess not suburban probably urban Bostonian, i think um but but a tragedy befells him and there's there's just these echoes with batman that are that even he is kind of aware of um and uh um and this sort of batman creature begins to appear and as a reader you're sort of left wondering whether or not it's a figment of his imagination whether there really is something supernatural out there or is it like a Jekyll and Hyde scenario to see somehow turn into mm-hmm. Batman through some sort of psychic metamorphosis. Um, but it, it, but it, without giving anything away, there is something about um, uh, uh, siblings. And as, as a sibling, um, there's something really beautiful about that notion of wanting to protect um, your siblings and your family. Uh, which it's kind of wrapped up in. At the same time, the reason I bring in all that mortality stuff is um, uh, the late Jean-Paul Leon um, was, yeah. was ill, was very ill while mm-hmm. working on the series. Yeah. And, and I think Korpusik has said that there were some points where he wasn't sure whether or not he'd be able to finish it. Yeah. Um, but I think he, he but by like the third book, he had had kind of a an upturn, like things were looking a bit brighter, and he was able to kind of um, find the energy to finish this book. And um, I've got I've got the the single issues. Also, there was a French edition, which is almost like an artist edition. It's a bit oversized, but not quite like the big artist editions. But it's all um, black and white, and some of them do look like proper scans of of pages, so you can see like correction fluid and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And you, you can just see how much um, labor went into making, I mean, you know, any, any, any jump away on page you look at, you can tell a lot of labor went into it, but with these in particular, you can just see there's a lot of craftsmanship and, and possibly some of that is, um, you know, somebody who's, who's, who's in pain, who's still trying to, to do the best work they can. And you couple that with the story and it's also, you know, you think well you know i was a young kid and i really like batman And i can remember what it meant to me as a kid and you put all these things together and um it's just a a really profoundly beautiful well done like it's a it's that's it it's a a really well-made comic from start to finish um and a really interesting idea on something that you think how can you know how many batman stories have there been out there how can you find another interesting story about batman yeah and this, this does it, you know, for me. I, I just loved it. And, I, you know, again, not to sort of get too highfalutin, but I, I think we, um, you know, I think we in the comics, we need to stop sort of self flagellating ourselves and say, mm-hmm. comics can be high art and they can be really literary. Yeah, and even yeah. if they are about men in tights, they're still important. Mm-hmm. And um, there's, there was something, you know, I, I, again, I'll try not to give anything away. And even if if you think I'm giving something away, if you read the book, I think you'll realize that, the links that I'm making here are, are more about f- like a feeling that I had than an actual feeling of the book. But there was something about that kind of, that sense of shame and sense of sibling protection and of of flailing in the night, trying to do something important, but not necessarily getting it right, that this book has that reminded me a bit of the the, the brother relationship in um, in Steinbeck's East of Eden. Um there's like an echo of that. It's in, sense of like one brother is good and one brother is bad. Mm. Um and and the care and the compassion that they that that two sibling rivals could still have um even in, in a strange situation like like in Creature of the Night. Um just beautiful, really well done, really makes you sort of think if in particular if you're a sibling it makes you think about um the things you've got right and the things you've got wrong and, and what you could do differently and then also on another level as a as a person who has a weak body that suffers ailments and you know has a, a one in two chance of getting a terrible disease as we all know that, that you know the statistics are
0: mm.
1: I think, oh you know would i would i have the strength to to try and finish this thing, to do this thing, yeah. to make this book.
0: Yeah,
1: right. It's a, So it, it that book means a lot to me. It represents quite a few different things. It's um, amazing. And there are other books that I think probably resonate more for different reasons. But at the moment, right now, I think about that book a lot. Fair play, man. Fair play.
0: Now, coming on to our uh, penultimate question, what's the most mm-hmm. underrated comic?
1: Yeah. Uh, okay. So I, hmm. <laughs> I, I think i think i think i think too much i think (laughs) that um that unless a comic a very worthy deserving comic just languishes and nobody reads it um i don't know that there are many out there with things like kickstarter and Mm -hmm. and and, um, and and web comics and and how how great the comics community is! I think we typically find good things and we lift them up. So it's it's not often that something is is underrated. Sometimes I do think, and I won't I won't mention any names. I don't want to spread any salt. But sometimes I do think things are overrated. But that's that's mm-hmm. business. I think sometimes sure, we can really build good hype trains behind things, and maybe the, the thing that's behind it doesn't stack up. But we're all a bit too afraid to say it. Yeah, because we don't want to get so. I, so I think rarely it's it's more of the other way around. However, I would say. As a sort of a blanket statement.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the UK indie scene in particular probably deserves a lot more attention than it gets. And that's another. I mean there's that, there's that wonderful article out in the bookseller um, um, and I, I, I can't remember really who's involved, but I think some of it was based off of Hannah Berry's work when she was comics laureate, looking at mm-hmm. um, all, all of these different aspects of the comics industry, particularly in Britain and how undervalued, underpaid, um, under everything it is in the theme of underness. Um, But I would say that for anyone who, even if you're not in the UK, but you've you've supported some books online um, from wherever you are, realize just how much wealth of talent and inspirational, individual, unique, amazing stories there are coming out and voices that are coming out of the UK right now. Um, anyone from like Lucy Sullivan, who fortunately, you know, luckily is really starting to kind of, I think people are are realizing that God damn it, she's yeah, yeah. a genius. Yeah. Right. Um, mm-hmm. And it, you know, to go look at like a, a, an up and coming Sullivan, to look at like Olivia Sullivan, and her non sequitur surrealist, but but really introspective. Beautiful little comics. Oh, that sounds really passionizing. Let's not say little. I mean, little, like, they're physically little. Yeah. They're often, like, the five-size. They're not, like, oh, cute. the the beautiful, wonderful, important comics. Um, think about people like Anna Redman, who should be, and they're all right, will be huge names someday. Mm-hmm. Huge names, I hope. Um, you know, people like Fraser Campbell, who've been in the trenches for yeah, years, right. years, and years. Mm-hmm. You know, his. his his often collaborators of like Ian Laurie and James Corcoran, who, you know, they're just taking so many risks to the point that, you know, they, they may like, I know Ian has has said that he thinks he's too weird for the mainstream, which is such a shame because, you know, I love individual voices and I can't think of another voice like Ian's. (laughs) Um, And, uh, but so if, if I've got to pick a comic right now, that I think is really underrated, and I have no idea how it's so underrated because it's so polished and it's so ready to be picked up by, a, you know, a publisher like Fantagraphics or um, Self Made Hero or someone like that. Mm-hmm. Somebody who could who could find the right market for it and 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 give this creator, you know, a billion pounds is um, Chris Chris Thority's Walk, right? Yeah, um, uh, I think Chris is. A Mancunian; he certainly is based out of Manchester. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, often, like I've at cons, I've people have said, "Oh, what do you recommend? You know, what are you what are you reading right now?" And I'm, I'll try and push this book because I think it's so good. I, you know, I, I think I think I'm, I'm I'm in in threat of being called a hypocrite here mm-hmm. by saying I don't like horror because these sort of they exist in that horror vein, but they're more of sort of true crime. Without being true, <laughs> yeah, a way, yeah, that just, sort of thing. Yeah. But there, um, they're these books which just set in in Manchester, uh, contemporary Manchester. Well, they, this they, are difficult to pin down. They're so beautifully done. Um, but there's a little bit about like some history. Let me take a drink of water because I've got like a hair in my throat or something. It's this bear costume. <laughs> it is exactly <laughs> It's shedding. <clears throat> I didn't think about that. Okay, let me write down a note. Get better adhesive. <laughs> okay, so they're um, the sort of central figures of these like true crime podcasters, and they're obsessed with um, serial killers, and their motives, and like I think like most of us probably feel about true crime podcasters is there's a uh, there's that fine line between being interested in what makes the mind <clears throat> go that dark, and in terms of you know, somebody who, who, you know, should be anathema to, to try and, you know, want to kill your fellow humans. Um, but at the same time, I think also it's, it's by by giving killers a spotlight, you know, are they, are they glorifying it? What are they doing? And I think Lori Walk you know, does a really good job at kind of poking that question, prodding the bear, so to speak. <laughs> and um, and what occurs is there is a serial killer and there's sort of a masked serial killer so there's this, this horror element um and when you first start reading it there's a there's a there are a number of different plot threads and you're not entirely sure how they link together but you completely trust that you're in good hands because the artwork is beautifully polished it looks like something out of you know, that sort of Franco-Belgian, um, band design tradition, um, maybe with a slight kind of like American Canadian bent to it, um, but really, really beautifully polished, um, uh, sort of, you know, kind of like love and rockets meets, meets like, um, some of the great, like, like Franco-Belgian detective comics Nice, and, um, the colors are gorgeous. The storytelling though, is just so solid, um. You know, it feels like it should be a BBC adaptation. That's again, that's awful. Why should comics have to be <clears> like, <throat> a, uh, I'm it's, sure Chris would be happy with that, but yeah, no, yeah, I, but I, I appreciate where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah, it's perfect as it is. Like yeah, exactly. Degree. It's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And uh, and you know, he's he he sort of puts them out. I'm you know, I'm gonna call him out right here. He puts them out through um, uh, like. Like Amazon's Create Space self-publishing wing. Yeah, it's not Create Space anymore, but whatever it is, it KD, I think online. it's
0: still they've changed it all to KDP. Yeah, <laughs>
1: not entirely. Yeah. but
0: yeah. Amazon. Yeah. Self. Uh, print on demand.
1: Like you know, I can appreciate that. You know, Kickstarter crowdfunding isn't for everyone. Yeah. Um, however, I don't know. Again, I don't know what the situation is. He may have his reasons, but if if those manage to find their way into the hands of a publisher. Yeah. I think they'd be wedding, wedding themselves, absolutely wetting themselves at the prospect of just how much money they can make off of these books. Like I said, they, from page one, it's, it's as though like here is a creator who has been around for a hundred years. They're at the top of the game. They know what they're doing. It's a subject matter, which is, you know, everybody loves. Well, I say it for less. There are millions <laughs> and millions of people who love true crime, yes, and love exactly, podcasts yeah. and, stuff like that, and love this 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 genre. And he plays; he's so playful with, oh, what you know? Where what, where is the line? What is, what do we? What should we be enjoying about this? Mm-hmm. And then there's this sort of there are these other subplots that are kind of woven behind the scenes that that make for some real mystery, but without being like, without being so digressive that you think like, oh. Here we go again. I've, I have no interest in this side character, whatever this is. It's the it's so compelling. There's two volumes of him. Um, you know, somebody pay him a lot of money to finish the series because it's so good. So mm-hmm. I can't I can't praise that series enough. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. I'm gonna check it out <coughs> for sure. You know, do I mean everyone? Please go buy the the cheapest chips. Yeah, brilliant comic. Exactly. Go, you know, support support a creator mm-hmm. who really should be. Yeah. A household name
0: that's awesome man awesome um now if you could only take one comic into the apocalypse which
1: would it be mm. so one you know this I, I think if you're going to read take a comic into the apocalypse it's got to be something that either just provides you with like complete comfort so it's either going to be like the equivalent of like meatloaf like a, a nice warm meatloaf <laughs> or <laughs> nice. it's gotta be something that's going to give you something to think about. And, um, <clears throat> uh, Rob Davis's motherless oven trilogy, um, I think would be what I would take. It's, it's, it's not comfort food by any means, but it is so interesting and unique and unlike anything through any medium that I've read or watched or experienced. Um, and, I've, you know, I've, I've, I'm i a fan of surrealist and avant-garde and bizarre, non-sequitur fiction and literature and plays. Um, and I don't mind being confused. But at no point in time do you... Well, at least I don't feel like in that trilogy that you feel like um, that it's absurd for the sake of absurdism. It's so... He sort of... He knows what makes this this strange world tick so well that you don't ever think, oh, well, he's, this is just nonsense. This is ridiculous. Or or do you even think like, oh, well, this is clearly a dystopian version of our world. How did it get that way? You think, oh, this is just a different world. It, it has some similarities like ours, but there's no, there's not going to be a Planet of the Apes um, Statue of Liberty moment where, you know, the curtain is pulled away and you think, like, oh, it was Earth all <laughs> along. Um it's so uniquely done, you know, it's a different world, but there's so many layers and layers and layers and layers to it. And it is a, you know, it's a teen angst coming of age book. It's a dystopian novel. It's a novel about friends. It's a novel about power. are novel's about um, magic and communication and love and loyalty and fear and fear of the unknown and of, 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 of mother, father, child relationships, um, which is something that you know I don't know that it gets covered a lot in books, um, but they're just and they're beautiful. They're you know the black and white, but so beautifully drawn. He's such a, a lovely line and and style of drawing, um, and and going back to design, the books are beautifully designed. Um, I think I would take those. I think they would. They would make me think and keep me thinking and, um, you know, maybe even offer some insight into how to survive the apocalypse and how to overthrow our new alien overlords. They're that subversive. There's this sort of cool (laughs) punk edge to them. So, yeah, I think I'd take those. Nice, man.
0: And then along with that, uh, what weapon, tool, or useful item would you like to take with you as well?
1: So, uh, okay, first off, is there... Are, am I allowed to, like, am I allowed to have my glasses? Or, like, are there... Like that that, that comes for free. That comes for free. Okay. Right. So
0: you're, sort, you're sorted with the glasses. <laughs> okay.
1: So, I mean, if these are, like, proper aliens, alien technology, if, you got there's there's nothing I have that we have on Earth here that's going to do anything no. to, to stop them. So um, I might as well be comfortable. So, like, just a really good coffee maker like something that, <laughs> yeah, that 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 you know an unkillable coffee maker no limescale is going to be able to touch it nice it, it, not even know, in southern england <laughs> yeah not even in southern england with the chalky chalk down exactly. it's, it's there's nothing you can do that won't make you know you don't have to put coffee in it it, it would just it's so determined to make you a good cup of coffee really it will see. figure out a way really you see. could shove you know some acorns that you were out foraging while you were doing your bear stint and it would still make a a decent cup of coffee.
0: (laughs) Perfect, man. Well, Russell Mark Olson, thank you so much for sharing your comments with the apocalypse. It's been a real pleasure.
1: My pleasure has been all mine. Thank you so much for having me,
0: dude. Hey, no worries at all. No worries at all. Um, And um, for the listeners one more time, where's the best place to find you online?
1: Um, Okay. Yeah. So at the moment, find me on say like Instagram, uh, at uh, Russell Mark Olson, or you know, even be novel if you're if you're if you're part of the Exodus over to Blue Sky. Um, I am. Uh, uh, let me pull it up here. I am Russell Mark Olson. B S K Y. Dot social. Um, I'm going to be probably transitioning to there come October, and just sort of mm-hmm. that'll be my online presence. Who knows? Maybe I'll set up a TikTok. Um, yeah, and, uh, and talk about creaky knees or things like that. (laughs) But for now, I think I'm going to... I'm on Twitter at um, Russell underscore M underscore Olsen. But uh, like I said, I think think Blue Sky for the time being is where I'm going to sort of plant my flag. Cool, man.
0: Cool. Well, all of those links are in the show notes, folks. So go follow uh, Russell Mm -hmm. wherever you like to hang out. Um, And uh, yeah, no, make sure that you check out um, Gateway City's latest kickstarter american trust um check it out and make sure you back it i'm i'm holding my my first volume of uh oh. gateway city right now because i remember i was thinking trying to remember when um i first got got into gateway city and i think it was true
1: believers
0: 2018 yeah. yeah 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 yeah.
1: that, that would have been that would have been the year that the first volume came out and, um, exactly i yeah. think it
0: was then i think it was then um so yeah no wow um incredible man um and great 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 to see you onto onto the fourth volume and i mean yeah no it's been wonderful to to see it all grow and and all of that jazz so congratulations again russell cheers pal thanks very much no no worries man no worries and uh, yeah no well i you know, i believe you're going to be at thought bubble this year yeah. is that correct yeah, yeah
1: i'll be at uh, the, for for the rest of the year i'm doing two more cons i'll be at um, at lakes great uh like like half um end of this month mm-hmm. and then i will be at thought boogles um is it october november this year i
0: think it's november, I think
1: it's november, yeah. november yeah 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 november. i'll be i'll be there anyway
0: yeah exactly ditto so um i'll uh i'll, I'll look forward to uh to shaking your hand And uh, maybe giving you a hug as well—that'd
1: be nice. (laughs) I will try to shower this fur off. Yes, exactly.
0: Yeah, I'll I'll turn up in a bear costume and really freak you out. Um...
1: (laughs) (laughs) I won't be the only one freaked out, I don't think.
0: Yeah, no, 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 you're quite right. Um, You might
1: find your thing. You might find a whole new audience.
0: That's a that's a good point. You know, you you should try everything at least once. (laughs) But so yeah thanks again russell really good to catch up mate and uh yeah best best of luck with the rest of the campaign all right dude thanks sir take it easy you too adios thanks again to russell for being on comics for the apocalypse it was an absolute pleasure if you enjoyed the show please leave a review for us on itunes spotify or whichever podcast service you use as not only will let me know that you liked it but believe that it helps make other people aware of the show as well. If you'd like to check out Russell's work or follow him on social media, those links are in the show notes, along with all our own links to various areas of the internet. Speaking of which, if you haven't already, be sure to visit Comic Scene's website at comicscene.org for comic news and other fun sequential art stuff. And finally, as long as the apocalypse doesn't come to pass in the near future, I'll see you next time. Bye for now.